Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 13 beginning at the 10th verse. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from, the, from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words that come from our mouth make sense because they are inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, when I looked at the Bible reading that I had to preach on, last week, I wanted to run away. If you missed that last week, it was a doozy. This week, when I looked at the Bible passage that Bruno has just read for it, I wanted to run in lots of different directions. Given that our theme is momentum, the fact that these readings are moving me, hopefully that's a good thing. And hopefully as we move into the second half of our, uh, um, or the next part of our next 25 years, uh, we will be a church that is continuing uh, to be challenged and moved by God's word. But this is such a rich passage. And I've preached on it a couple of times before. And in those times before, I've really focused in mostly on the Sabbath elements of this passage. But this time round, I wanted to move in a different direction. By Jesus doing what he does, where and when he does it, he's actually moving those who witness this healing in a different direction. Throughout the Gospels, you can't miss Jesus' criticism of the religious of that time, particularly for turning something that God intended to be a gift into something that had so 
easily become something that could divide and separate. The Sabbath was one of the ways that you could tell the Jewish people apart from all the other people groups around the world at that time. But the rules, the principles and the requirements had been layered upon layer upon layer upon layer over the generations. And they'd become, by the time we get to Jesus, a way to restrict control, to elevate some and to push down others. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat. You may have heard um, a Jewish person say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat is what we say, Sabbath. And it's from the verb, which just means to stop. So when they say Shabbat Shalom, they say stop, be at peace. So the idea of Sabbath was to stop and rest to know that the world will continue to turn without you. God is God and you are not. The world does not depend on your busyness. So just stop. While we might stop, God does not. But as we stop, we become more ready to notice God at work. In Jesus' healing on the Sabbath, he's redirecting the attention of those gathered away from the systemization, the ritualization, and the expectations, and he's directing them towards the revelation of God at work and the need God to be at work. He's moving them in a different direction. Much to the embarrassment of my children, more so the older that they have got, I like to stay on top and in touch with the latest jargon, slang and buzzwords. I mean, how, all, how else am I supposed to know if something is a vibe or not? The young people might get that, but us oldies... The church is not immune from its own versions of slang, jargon, and buzzwords. As I'm listening to um, podcasts or sermons from other churches or reading books in the last few years, one of the buzzwords or words of the, the moment has been posture. A Christian should have particular postures, and God moves us to take up different postures, postures of service, a posture of repentance, a posture of humility, a posture of prayer. I've lost count of the number of times I've been asked to go into a different position or posture. I guess it means that Christians are supposed to be pretty flexible, which I think is a good thing. But in truth, I actually really like this term and the phraseology in which it's used. And it has particular relevance to today's passage. Jesus heals this woman, and as he does, he changes her posture. There can be momentum when you change your posture. When you move from being bent over to being 
standing upright. There's momentum in that movement. But more so, when you move from a posture of Sabbath, stop and rest. Rest in the way that it's intended. We stop and we reflect and we become ready to notice God at work. And then when we stand, there's real momentum. I thought of demonstrating that momentum of being really stopped and then standing straight up by doing a burpee, but I'll save that for the gym later today. (laughs) I don't like burpees. Um, Standing as a posture can say so many different things. But this morning, I want us to wonder what it would mean if we were to stand with grace. I'm going to apologise in advance for the way that my crazy mind works sometimes. When a subject or a topic comes up, my mind often runs to match that subject or topic with a song. And as I was thinking about standing this week, four songs came to mind. One old hymn and three classics. None of these songs in and of themselves completely explain what standing with grace actually means. But I think by looking at them, it might help us to move away from what standing in grace, with grace isn't and move towards what standing with grace actually is. I'm a very good church boy, or at least I've tried to make you think that. Uh, and I've been going to church Uh, for pretty much every weekend of my 50 years of my life, give or take a few here or there. And so the very first thing that came into my mind um, was the old hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. The lyrics of this hymn have become somewhat problematic in recent times, but it is a stirring hymn, or as the young uh, folk would say, it's a tune. Have a listen. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Its overly militaristic tones almost sound like wartime propaganda to enlist troops for the cause. I'm also not sure that Jesus needs me to stand up for him. I think Jesus stands up pretty amazingly on the cross by himself. And I'm not sure about that line in the hymn that says that we must not suffer loss, given that Jesus' victory in itself is seen as loss or foolishness to those who don't believe. But this hymn has a story. It was written in 1858 and was inspired by the final words of an Episcopal preacher, an American Anglican, who was based in Philadelphia and was forced to resign from his church for speaking out against slavery. He actually died in quite a tragic accident. But depending on which account you read or believe, it was either in his final sermon or on his deathbed that he's said to have said, let us stand up for Jesus. Or in another account, he 
is said to have said to his father, also a minister, stand up for Jesus, father, and tell my brethren of the ministry to stand up for Jesus. I'm guessing perhaps he actually said both. Last week in my sermon I said, if we stand with Jesus and if we stand for what Jesus stood for, then people will stand against us. And this hymn, along with this passage, encourages us to actually stand with Jesus and to stand for what he stood for. Jesus could see that this lady was in desperate need. And if you think about it, this need had been present for 18 years. What difference would an extra day make? But actually, by seeing Jesus heal right in that moment, we see the sense of urgency that Jesus comes with and that he heals with. Have you heard that expression? Not today. Well, with Jesus, not today is not an option. The timing of another's freedom may not always be convenient for us, but we should stand. The second uh, song that jumped into my head was the old Bob Marley song, Get Up, Stand Up. A little bit different to the first one. Get up, stand up. Well, on the one hand, this song seems to have the same sort of motivation as the old hymn. I wonder whether listening to it with eyes of grace that we might heed some caution. Marley sings, stand up for your rights. The thing is, we're called to stand up for the rights of others. We're not called to stand up with judgment. We're not called to stand up in opinion. We're not called to stand up in persuasion. We're called to stand with grace. It seems to me that the noise of the world at the moment is the deafening sound of the loudest voice standing up for their rights in judgment of others, to voice their opinion or to persuade others to agree with their perspective. Is there grace in that? I'm not so sure. The third song is from my generation. It's a song by the band R.E.M. called Stand. Ah, oh, brings back memories, that one. The words say, stand in the place where you live, now face north. Think about direction, wonder why you haven't before. I wonder if you can imagine the 18 long years of this woman's life. Neck and back pain, fatigue, difficulty breathing, heart problems, Feelings of frustration, vulnerability, and isolation. 
as she could only see the world from the perspective of her waist down, bent over, looking down at her feet and seeing only herself and not what's going on around her. But when you change your posture from being stooped over to standing, and especially when you change your posture from the Sabbath stop and rest position to that standing up posture, your eyes are up. They're not looking at yourself anymore. They notice what's going on around us. And hopefully we can notice what God is doing. To notice the things that we haven't noticed before while we were too busy looking at ourselves. And as we do that, our focus comes off ourselves onto the work of God and onto the the needs of those around us, onto others. The last song that came into my mind, and I'm surprised actually that this was the last one that came into my mind, was the Ben E. King classic, Stand By Me. So darling, darling, stand by me. Won't you stand by me is what Jesus asks of us. But more than that, when we stand, we do not stand alone. We are always standing with another. It's not a matter of racing to the nearest soapbox so you can get your best position on the street corner. The church should never allow someone to stand alone. We always stand with, alongside and in communion. If we find ourselves standing alone, we might well wonder if we are still the church. One of the reasons I use songs to illustrate my point this morning is not just because of the crazy way my mind works, but because song is where this passage leads us. Song is actually the different direction that Jesus points towards. Specifically, praise. Verse 13 says that when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. I think the simplest explanation to what standing with grace is is it's standing in praise. Again, I think this is more powerful when we move from Sabbath to praise. When we stop and we rest and then we stand and we praise. We have time to rest, reflect, pray and petition, to dream and to cry. We have time to heal. And then we stand to our feet and we lift our heads 
And we might even lift our hands towards heaven and then we lift our voice in praise. And as we do this, we're taking the focus away from ourselves and putting it back onto God. And as we're doing this, we're quickly realising that God is calling us not to focus on ourselves, but to focus on others. To stop and rest and then stand in praise is a pattern that multiplies grace. And it builds extraordinary momentum. And I want to be honest in this. When you stop and rest and reflect, you're not always going to be completely healed and feeling really great about what's going on in our world. But even so, we are still called to stand up and change our posture and stand in praise. And as we do that, particularly when things aren't going on in our world and in our lives as well as we would like or expect or hope, us standing in praise in those moments of pain and darkness is a powerful witness to those who hear our words of praise. So as I finish this morning, I wonder if you can ask yourself two really hard questions. When was your last real Sabbath? And how often do you really stand with grace? Perhaps there's no better time right now than for me to invite you all to stand up onto your feet as we sing a song of praise.